FDF Awards. One of the most prestigious nights in the food and drink calendar is online 3rd of February. For details of this and other FDF events, including our online convention, visit our website, fdf.org.uk. FDF, passionate about food and drink. Welcome everyone um, for listening to this podcast on the topic of working to net zero in food and drink manufacturing. Um, I have my colleagues here today, um, Mark Corbett, who's our education skills policy manager in the competitiveness team. And Mark has been instrumental in establishing the newly created Industrial Growth Committee at FDF. And also I have with me um, Emma Mansbridge. Emma is our sustainability and environmental policy executive who works on a number of cross-cutting policy areas at FDF, as well as leading on topics within FDF's Ambition 2025 programme. Um, I was really keen on uh, introducing this topic today. Uh, because we see on net zero that the momentum is really building. Indeed, even just last week, we had the British Retail Consortium publish their roadmap to net zero and bringing forward their target from 2050 to 2040. And Water UK also did the same a few days later. And indeed, the NFU earlier in the year. At FDF, we're also in the midst of our Net Zero Narrative project, uh, with the report launched to come in December. And this follows the decarbonisation of heat in food and drink manufacturing report that we did with SLR back in June. But that's not all. This year, we've undertaken a mid-term review of our Ambition 2025, which Emma, you've worked on. And Mark, as I, as I mentioned also, you've been leading on setting up the new Industrial Growth Committee. And so I thought it would be really interesting to bring us together to explore some of those uh, common threads and linkages. So I think really to start, this is a very broad uh, question to begin with. But Mark, um, how do you see this topic of net zero being incorporated into what you've been working on, you know, with setting up the IGC? Well, the IGC, the Industry Growth Committee, it's a new committee. We've only met twice so far. Um, its key terms of reference are looking at the obstacles and the opportunities to growth for the industry. It's got quite a commercial sort of lens that we're looking through. Um, with net zero, this sort of fits into the technology work stream we're working on, which is about encouraging the sector to take up more of the technology opportunities, things around automation. These have the effect of making the, the sector and processes in the sector um, more efficient, which has um, an added bonus of working towards that journey towards net zero. So that's the first bit. The second bit we're working on is probably the main bit, actually, is looking at the cumulative impact of government policy on the end price for consumers. So there's various government policies out there. All of these have an impact on the sector, things like the apprenticeship levy, um, the legislation on promotions, sort of carbon labelling, um, sugar taxes. All these things have uh, the impact of increasing the cost of manufacturing. So what we want to do in this committee is present a, a good case to government to say, look, these are all the different policies that you have impacting the sector. This is the end result. It's increasing prices and sort of communicate that message very strongly to government to basically, you know, let them think about what they're doing in a more constructive way across the whole sector and how they impact it. And the third bit also relates to net zero. So we're also looking at um, innovation, the, the way that the sector accesses innovation funding opportunities and navigates that landscape. It's a very complex land, landscape, there's lots of money out there, and it's how do we access that money 
So that's the sort of three areas and all three, I think, link um, to the, the net zero theme. I think that's really interesting because actually when we talk about sustainability, of course, you know, sustainability you know, covers uh, the economics, it, it covers um, the environment, you know, a number of different perspectives. Emma, you know, with your sustainability hat on and indeed the, the, this topic around policy costs and competitiveness, um, there are a number of, of uh, issues that you've been working on which feed into this. I just just wondering, I mean, what do you see as the most significant one? That, that come to mind and, and which maybe have, have a net zero context as well. Net zero is such a far-reaching topic and within sustainability there are a number of areas before that were perhaps looked at more in isolation and now need to be considered as part of this wider narrative many of which we already cover in our environmental ambition, Ambition 2025. One topic uh, that's been a huge priority for FDF is plastics and packaging. Interest in this topic has grown exponentially over the past year or so, and along with conversations around achieving a circular economy. And in their net zero roadmap, the BRC have recognised the role that a circular economy can play in achieving net zero, by ensuring that no resources are wasted. Just uh, explain a little bit more about what we mean by circular economy. Yeah, so uh, a circular economy just ensures that what you're producing and putting out in the market is then looped back into a one system. Um, So, for example, with plastics and packaging, you could take a plastic water bottle and it would loop back around and be turned back into a plastic water bottle. So it's ensuring that along the stages of recovery that nothing is wasted. In terms of, as we talked about, you mentioned the circular economy, and I understand another key worker has been, for example, around sustainable healthy diets. Yeah, so sustainable healthy diets is a really new and emerging topic for us. Uh, It's really risen to prominence and has increased the focus on supply chains and thinking about net zero in the context of farm to fork. It's also worth noting that food waste is a key part of these discussions. And in a recent report, by feedback, they recognise that food waste is an untapped opportunity to help reach net zero. Um, And I expect to see a lot more on this topic in the future, uh, particularly given the upcoming national food strategy. I I think you've highlighted some really interesting points there. I think around around the circular economy and sustainable healthy diets, I think those are are two key topics that that came up uh, in the BRC's uh, climate uh, roadmap to net zero uh, last week. And do we have any plans in place to draw up a roadmap for decarbonising the food and drink sector? You know, when we've when we've seen what the NFU have done this year uh, and and the BRC last week and, and followed by Water UK, um, it clearly would be great if, if we could do something similar. And I, I think also we've actually what you've just been saying, Emma, uh, around the work we've been doing on sustainable healthy diets and, and plastics and packaging, that actually we've got a lot of those building blocks there um, already. So I, I think the answer is that we, yeah, we've done a lot of the heavy thinking. And um, I think, you know, that's, you know, what we need to do next is put together a proposal uh, to, to take that forward. I think I think also this this narrative project that uh, we're, we're currently underway with that will you know sort of lay 
quite a good foundation for for building um, a roadmap as well. So I think it's definitely a case of um, of you know let's let's watch this space. I, I think in this in this whole agenda though, it's it's going to be really important to to bring um, all companies with us, and we, we've got you know such a range in our sector from from the very small to to the large multinationals, and it's that's going to be be re- really important. It certainly be great to, to, to get something in time for uh, for COP26. So I suppose we'll see. Um, but actually, that that does lead nicely on to to the next area in terms of looking at what's coming up uh, in, in 2021. Uh, and actually, I think in the spring we, we've been promised an industrial decarbonisation strategy. And uh, I think I'm aware that there will also be a, a review of the industrial strategy that, that's been committed to. Mark, I mean, uh, earlier you talked about the links of net zero to to industrial competitiveness and you know obviously industry has been going through a really hard time with covid and brexit to what extent do you see these issues sort of in impacting companies responses to to the challenges of net zero that we've that we've just been talking and what what, what do you think is needed to to help business well from a competitiveness angle i think government really needs to be aware exactly what businesses are going through at the moment so things like brexit and trade and certainty You've got the COVID um, complications with workforce issues and social distancing. Um, you've got these sort of known, really big challenges for the industry. So when it implements any sort of legislation around a road to net zero, it needs to do so in a way where it consults industry, is aware of the challenges, listens to them, and does it in a way that's manageable, particularly if you're looking at things like food poverty as well. So any additional pressure on the industry will impact the end price as well, as well as disrupting the industry itself. So it really needs to take a very holistic and long-term and consultative look um, at any roadmap. Oh, Emma, for, for, from your perspective, um, in terms of looking at uh, you know, the, the impacts of COVID and Brexit, do, do you think that there has been or, or will be much impact on on sustainability agenda? So one of the biggest things for sustainability to come from the COVID-19 pandemic is the concept of a green recovery. Uh, There is still a considerable amount of debate on what this means, but the overall message seems to be that we can't just go back to business as usual. Uh, The FGF supports the opportunity to push for a green recovery, but we recognise it will require collaboration with and support from government. And skills and job creation is also a really key part of this. And this was made clear at the most recent Net Zero APPG to launch their report. Also, this comes at a time when we're approaching COP26 and the government is key to show um, the UK as a world leader. Um, and this is demonstrable in their ambition on Net Zero and the Environment Bill. Um, including recent amendments on due diligence for forest risk commodities. I think we can expect a lot more ambition in an effort to drive international change and maintain focus on the environment within the context of these huge challenges for our industry. And at the FDF, we have also taken the opportunity to review our ambition 2025. And we want to ensure that it reflects changes in the regulatory and political landscape. Mark, what, 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 what are your thoughts on that? And like green recovery for example i just wanted to sort of, i mean as the education and skills policy manager for fdf be admiss be not to mention skills i think and i think skills are an absolutely vital part of any green recovery we already have a shortage of people with stem skills in our sector um, engineers those sorts of things 
And I think that those sorts of jobs are going to be the drivers for any green recovery. The technology will require those sort of skills. So it's about ensuring we have a skills system in place that gets that pipeline of, of young people and also reskilling the, ex- the existing workforce as well. So it's about making sure the apprenticeship system works, T-levels work, we have the right um, graduate recruitment in place, that we attract the right graduates. And part of that problem, or part of that challenge, I think, for us, is addressing the probably the poor perceptions we have as a sector as being sort of low-pay, low-skilled jobs, when that's just not the case. So I think we have a bit of a a bit of a job as a sector to basically speak to government and speak to, to people and say we are a great place to work as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, Emma, um, you mentioned quite a lot there also about um, Ambition 2025. Um, well, could you perhaps highlight some of the the, the, the the recent discussions that we've had on that and, and where you see things moving? On our ambition, we cover a number of areas, including carbon emissions, food waste, plastics and packaging, amongst others such as transport and water. So we're really looking to ensure that we're moving with the times, moving with government and ensuring that we remain ambitious. Um, So for example, on carbon emissions, we achieved um, or our members achieved an absolute reduction of 53.2% in CO2 emissions from their use of energy um, in manufacturing operations in 2018 compared to a 1990 baseline. Our target is for 55%, so we really want to remain ambitious. So we're looking at putting this up to 60%, just making sure that we're in line with ambition from government and from within our membership. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And, and I think actually, you yeah, know, touching, touching upon those carbon targets, um, and indeed this takes us into into topic three and, you know, what we would like to see uh, in the coming year. I think for me, um, and looking at, at, at carbon and, you know, the, the policy measures that, um, that, you know, that, that help industry in, in uh, improving the energy efficiency and, and, and carbon reduction um their targets it is is looking at the ccas you know we 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 very much welcomed the extension you know that we had to the cca scheme that takes out to march 25 but you know what 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 about beyond um you know how what, what are the policy announcements kind of that we that, that we need to see that will you know help with investor confidence and get those um, investments put in place. So personally, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, that certainly actually maybe even the next few weeks we'll, we'll see the, the energy white paper. Um, that would be really good. And we've also got coming actually in, in December. Um, the Climate Change Committee are going to be publishing, uh, I think it's on the 9th of December, um, their sixth carbon budget, which will include a, a roadmap for, for decarbonisation for the food and drink sector, as well as you know uh, uh, other sectors. Next year, we ha- we've, we've got, um, in, in the spring, the HM Treasuries report into the cost of meeting net zero. And actually, Emma, you mentioned earlier national food strategy uh, Part two, which I understand will include a focus on dealing with the impacts of climate change. So, I mean, there's 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 a lot coming up, and there's a lot of opportunities. I think for government to you know put in place that 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 policy and regulatory framework to to help 
companies on this on this decarbonisation journey. I think key will also be, you know, you know, a government sort of understanding the the investment life cycles and to be able to time their their, their policy support to to, to those you know, within business in terms of those investment cycles. I mean, those are a couple of things that, that come to my mind in terms of looking at future of of CCAs and and actually. I suppose the other point being around um, when the cost of carbon starts to to increase much more, that will be take that that will be factored into those investments decisions. I think um, a, a lot more more deeply. So I think we'll see a lot more on that uh, in the coming year. I mean, for for the both of you and in, in 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 your respective work areas, what would what do you think our members would like to see most? You know, from from the the different policy announcements and, and strategies that will be coming in this year. What what would you see as the sort of key policy priorities that you'd like to see some progress on in, in the coming months? Well, in my areas, I'd, I'd probably see three sort of three key areas I'd like to sort of see focus on. The first one is skills, ensuring we've got the skill system in place that meets our future requirements. A big part of that will be reforming the apprenticeship levy, so that works better. At the moment, we have businesses spending a lot of money on the levy yet they're not able to spend it. Um, that seems a waste to me. It's making sure that businesses can spend that money on the skills that they need for the future and for now. The second bit would be around the innovation landscape. So there's lots of money out there for businesses um, to support innovation and technology adoption. It's about how do they access that? How do they navigate it? And I think the FDF has a role in supporting businesses there um, to act as like an interlocutor between us and things like the Advanced Manufacturing Research Centre, the Manufacturing Technology Centre, and other parts of the high value manufacturing center um, and then the third bit will be a bit from a message to government that any legislation any planned policy changes that are going to impact the industry need to be done in a planned incremental way that doesn't damage the industry i think that's they're the three things for me how about you emma what, what what's your what are your thoughts what 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 do you think from a, the environmental perspective and the sustainability agenda do you think um some of our members would most like to see in, in the coming year. Having mentioned with net zero being such an overarching and holistic topic, one thing that we really need to see is collaboration across government departments. Um, this should hopefully deliver more clarity. Um, for example, um, I referenced the environment bill earlier and there'll be a number of associated targets with that. Um, it covers such a broad range of areas and it's really making sure that those don't negatively impact our industries and wider industries' uh, contribution to net zero. Also, uh, an area that I work on is transport. So I'd really like to see the transport decarbonisation plan um, come out and really start working on that and seeing what direction government are moving in. And actually, that's also just raised a thought with me that, of course, actually, we've talked quite a bit about, um, well, I say we've talked about what well, scope one and two emissions on site emissions. We have touched upon the supply chain as well, of course, and you, you know, you, you've mentioned transport there. But uh, I think with the work also that, that um, RAP are doing, or started looking more at supply chain emissions, I think next year, as an industry, we're going to have to do a lot more work on, on, on that area because that is that is where the bulk of of our uh, sector's footprint is is is, is uh, along that supply chain. So um, 
yeah, we'll be we'll be having a busy we'll be having a busy twenty twenty one I think ahead of us. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, th thank you very much, uh, Mark and Emma, for for joining me. Um, it's it's been really it's been really interesting. There's so many so many different topics that that we've touched upon, um, and I think you know we will see much more on this in, in terms of our common interest areas and how they relate to each other when we see the outcome of um of our fdf narrative on net zero project um so for our listeners we'll we'll have a launch of our net zero narrative report in december a date to be confirmed uh, but please do keep an eye on our website uh, and and of course we will also be kicking off um the online fdf convention this year um, on 1st of December on this very topic, uh, climate and carbon net zero, how food and drink producers can work towards net zero. And again, uh, details on our website. Join us for the FDF Awards online February 3rd, 2021. Visit our website, fdf.org.uk for full details.